Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. For the past year or so, on Sundays and Wednesdays, I've been going to a bar on South Beach called The Abbey. It's my favorite bar in the area, it's on 16th and Alton, and the routine up to now has been that I get there in like the early part of the evening, ideally just after dark, and I have two pints in a corner booth and I doodle in my notebook, I read something, I write something, maybe play a little words with friends, and then I get home in time for dinner with Marie. The beers on tap at the Abbey are entirely their own. The Abbey is not itself quite a brewery because it's just a small room, like maybe 400 square feet with like a few booths and this long Last Supper style table in the middle of the room. Everything's made of wood, there's a pool table, uh, there's a digital jukebox that people actually use. I remember they used to be like huge money makers, maybe 10 years ago. When I was in college, I would spend a lot of time at a pool hall across from FIU. It was called New Wave. And my friend Chris, if, whenever he got drunk, he would go, he would like mince away from the group, giggling. He would lie about needing to go to the bathroom. And he would go to the jukebox and he would play Echoes by Pink Floyd, which is about 22 minutes long. And it opens with like eight or nine minutes of ambient noises. I went to that bar with the same group of friends on my 21st birthday and uh, as kind of like a sidelong gift, they linked five of their cell phones to the jukebox and they played different versions of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, one after another after another. The jukebox was about halfway through the fourth rendition when um, one of the bartenders came up to our pool table and he said to me, okay, now that you're 21, let me explain something. So the Abbey's not quite a brewery because it's got all the charm and like the community vibe that you would find at a dive bar, except it's not quite a dive bar either because it's really clean and the beers are $9, $7.50 at happy hour. The Abbey is its own unique thing and at first I only went because it was two blocks from my apartment, but now, like, I, it's, its charms have rubbed off on me. Now, I'm attached and whenever, like, I finish a long day of work and I feel entitled and I feel, like, ready to unwind, that's the first place that I think about going. But as I mentioned earlier in the week, Maria and I just moved to a new apartment five blocks in the other direction, which means that now, every time I want to go to the Abbey, I have to walk eight blocks. And since this past weekend was our first one in the new apartment, and we spent the entirety of it cleaning and hauling boxes, once that was all done on Sunday night, once the rain eased up, once my obligations were satisfied, I set out to walk to the Abbey for the first time across this newer, longer distance, which isn't a lot. I know that. It's like exactly half a mile. But if you've ever been in this part of South Beach, you will understand what I mean when I say that it is a very eventful half mile. I decided I was going to walk there along Alton Road, which would be like a straight shot from my apartment to the Abbey. So I'm walking around the corner and the moment I turned a corner, I saw an Amazon driver's penis, which he wasn't flaunting, like he was clearly just in a hurry and he had to pee, he had just dropped something off. And admittedly, my girlfriend got me a pair of hokas for Christmas and my footsteps are like assassin quiet lately, people have commented. But he was pissing into a hedge and like he had his back turned toward the busier side of the street. He wasn't expecting some nimble-footed guy to come stepping out of the rain from like right in front of, from the hedge right in front of him. So I get it. I'm not offended or anything. He seemed very embarrassed. He apologized and he zipped up and he hustled back to his truck. My point is just that I'm only a half a mile 
away from the Abbey. It's not a long walk, but it is a half mile walk where the first time you try it, you're gonna see a penis. A few blocks went by after that without incident. I got to Alton Road quick as possible, and from there I passed Flamingo Park. I passed that little bungalow dental office with a bright Miami Vice sign on the front that says dentist in bright neon burning letters for 24 hours a day. A couple blocks after that, I was crossing in front of the Chevron station on 15th Street when a dude came sprinting across the parking lot, coming straight in my direction. He was wearing flip-flops and he was hugging something to his chest, something big and rectangular. It, it went from like his hip to his chin. It was gigantic compared to the size of him, but I couldn't tell what it was until a couple seconds later, he ran right past me and I heard the jangling glasses inside and I caught a glimpse of the blue artwork of the thing he was carrying. And then I was passed by the two cashiers who were chasing him in, in like a very lazy jog. And then I realized that the thing he was hugging to his torso was the 24 pack of Corona he had just stolen from the gas station. At some point earlier in the weekend when I was winding, I was just taking a break from the move and I fell into a YouTube rabbit hole. I was watching true crime documentaries, like the short kind of indie true crime documentaries, and I ended up on this video. It, it had been trending on Reddit, and it showed these two guys, I think this is in Philadelphia, they're getting into a fight on a train platform because one of them, the shorter guy, he stole the vape pen off of the tall guy. That's what people are saying in the comments. So the video starts after this confrontation is well underway, and the guys are arguing, we can't really hear what's being said from one to the other, we can't tell who's the aggressor, until finally, the taller dude tells the smaller dude, give me back my lighter. And he swings at the guy. And of course, a fracas ensues. These men are clearly past their prime. They're punching and dodging in every direction. And that guy who threw the first punch, he ends up getting kicked. And he loses his balance and he topples directly onto the train tracks just at the exact moment that the train is coming into the station. And he gets crushed. A lot of the people in the comments section were hung up on the fact that this dude, who had who just died a horrible death, like he was vividly alive just moments prior. It was a total freak accident, and what nobody could seem to get over is the fact that his final words on Earth were, give me back my lighter. I've seen quite a few clips like this, on, on Reddit and on YouTube, and I've never seen the comment section so contemplative or sullen or existential as, as this one. All because of those, like, almost unbearably frivolous last words. Give me back my lighter. Anyway, when I saw this dude running into traffic with a 24-pack of Corona, and all these cars are braking hard, and they're, and they're honking, as his, and his flip-flops are going pat-pat-pat-pat-pat across the street, it, it reminded me of that clip. And uh, here's some little-known facts. Among the professions most likely to yield life-altering cases of post-traumatic stress disorder are, number one, Facebook content moderators, because these people have to spend the whole day looking at the content that users have flagged as inappropriate. And incidentally, the, re the reason Facebook seems so vanilla and lame these days is because there are so many content moderators working around the clock. Like, rest, rest assured that horrible shit is getting posted to Facebook thousands of times a day. 
before a moderator sees what it is and takes it down. Horrible PTSD profession number two that is seldom discussed, 911 dispatchers. As the novelist Don Winslow puts it in his masterpiece book, The Force, which, which is one of the few books I will unequivocally recommend it to everyone. In that book, Winslow points out that most police officers, for most of their response calls, are not are not dealing with criminals. They're dealing with victims. They arrive on the scene after a crime has been committed, and then they try to restore order, they try to help people out. 911 dispatchers, on the other hand, are subject all day, every day, listening to people scream in pain or in terror and describe to them in panic some horrible thing that's going on. Horrible PTSD job number three that no one really talks about, railway workers. About 44% of railway workers have experienced some sort of incident on the tracks with their train hitting a person or an object. Of those 44% of railway workers who have experienced an incident, about 12% suffer PTSD. Anyways, it's Sunday night, it's raining, I'm on my way to the bar, and I just stood there on the sidewalk for a moment watching that dude disappear into an alleyway on the other side of Alton Road, and the cashiers were out still in the parking lot, and one of them made a snippy remark to me about, like, why didn't I do anything to stop their thief? And I could have told them about this dude in Philly who thought it was worth his while to have a standoff on train tracks with a homeless dude who stole his lighter, and, and then he ended up getting squished under a train. But instead, I just turned around, and I walked down Alton Road, and I made my way to the Abbey. A football game had just ended, and the bar had just cleared out, but the bartender assured me, as he poured an IPA, that another game was just starting, and the corner booth was empty. Mm -hmm.